Hello there, and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Oran, Algeria, at the African Nations Championship, the Chan, joined by Solis Chukwu in Lagos, Nigeria, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we focus on the Chan here in Algeria with the tournament into the knockout stage. Also, we talk about Nigeria forward Victor Osimen's superb season so far in Italy, with Napoli 12 points clear at the top of Syria. A. His level this season has just been, he's gone up several levels out of nowhere. That's coming later. Also, we assess the two new African signings at Bournemouth, and Stuart looks at how important the cup competitions are in a packed English Premier League season. But let's start here from Oran in Algeria. I'm in Algeria's second largest city. It's in the northwest of the country by the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, very cold here. We're in the North African winter. Uh, some days the temperature's not getting into double figures even. And very chilly in the evenings when the games are on. So the 2022 African Nations Championship, or CHAN, is what's happening here. It's gone into the knockout stage now. So this weekend's quarterfinals are Friday's matches, Algeria against Côte d'Ivoire, Senegal versus Mauritania, and then on Saturday, Madagascar play Mozambique, and here in Oran, it's Niger versus Ghana. So I'm doing TV commentary for CAFA here in Oran on many channels around the continent. Uh, all is going well. There's a beautiful stadium here. Uh, crowds have been okay for the matches here and really good for the matches in Algiers where the hosts have been playing and are really amazing crowds in Constantine and in Annaba, the other two host cities. So beautiful stadiums here, uh, surprise results as well. It's been a mixed bag in terms of the quality of football, but plenty of upsets, including here in Oran, as Niger knocked out Cameroon in their final group game to make it through to the quarterfinals. Uh, Cameroon's intermediate lions eliminated, with their FA president, the legend Samuel Eto, watching the game here. Uh, Mauritania caused an upset too, beating Mali 1-0 in the final game in Group D. They went through to the last eight. Uh, so the Chan is always difficult to predict because it's for players who play in their domestic leagues at home. Uh, so maybe then it's not a surprise to see Madagascar winning both of their group games in Group C to reach the quarterfinals on their debut appearance at the tournament, uh, playing fast and skillful football. Remember how well they did on their debut appearance at the African Nations Cup in 2019, getting through to the quarterfinals. Biggest disappointment, the two-time champions DR Congo out at the group stage without a single goal. Uh, for the hosts, it's three wins out of three, but Algeria still not that convincing. Uh, big crowds for those Algeria matches, as I've been saying. And uh, the tournament are uh, very well organized. Algeria are out to impress. They're among the bidders to host the 2025 Africa Cup of Nations. Uh, Morocco, South Africa and Zambia, the other bidders, along with a joint bid uh, from Benin and Nigeria. Uh, the host for the 2025 AFCON will be decided next month. 
It's been a bit strange with the 18-team format, so the Chan was expanded from 16 teams to 18. So each of these six regions in Africa have three representatives, but it uh, meant there were two groups with just three teams in the group stage, with only one team qualifying, and we had another three-team group resulting when Morocco withdrew just before the start of the tournament. This is a tournament that attracts interest from scouts. There's been scouts from France, from Turkey, from South Africa. Uh, one player that's attracted interest is Che Malone, uh, the Cameroon centre-back, and a CR Belouzidad, the Algerian club, uh, made an offer to Cotton Sport of Cameroon for around about $41,000. Uh, that was rejected. Uh, might be waiting for a higher offer or for another club. And I think plenty of players here will have advertised their skills to Algerian clubs. So expect quite a few moves uh, after the Chan, uh, maybe when we get to the July-August uh, transfer window. So the quarterfinal lineup again, it's Algeria against Côte d'Ivoire, Senegal against Mauritania, uh, Saturday's uh, quarterfinals, Madagascar, Mozambique, and Niger playing Ghana. So more from the Chan here in Algeria on next week's show. We're next here on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Uh, Ida's away this week, so I'm joined by Solis Chukwu in Lagos in Nigeria. And English Premier League club Bournemouth have signed two African players in this uh, January transfer window. Uh, very exciting to see Burkina Faso winger Dango Watara coming up with an assist on his debut for Bournemouth last weekend. Uh, Watara is just 20 years old. He impressed at the Africa Cup of Nations finals in Cameroon a year ago. He joins from Lorient in France. Bournemouth have also signed another African, Senegal forward Nicholas Jackson, who had an appearance at the World Cup in Qatar. He moves from Spanish club Villarreal. What's your expectations uh, for these two, Salis? Yeah, I think there are a couple of different ways to look at this. Um, Bournemouth are clearly a team who have the ambition to remain in the Premier League. Um, recently, they've been bought up by a consortium that includes Creed star Michael B. Jordan. Um, so there's clearly the desire there to keep Premier League revenue coming in, keep the club afloat. Um, at the moment, they're toward the bottom of the Premier League and they desperately need quality. So I think recruiting players like Dango Watara and Nicholas Jackson is a big step in that direction. They need goals. Goals is what keeps you up in the Premier League. And Bournemouth are definitely investing in getting the, all of that quality on board. Um, I think I think these are two players who can transform them. They have um, they have that potential, I think. But if you look at it from the player standpoint, it's a little bit of a disappointment, I would say. Um, Watara is someone who you know his star is rising. Like you say, he had a fantastic Africa Cup of Nations last year. Um, as part of that, Burkina Faso front three, very very exciting, very dynamic, very quick. Um, the interplay was really good. And we saw him break out this season in a major way at Lorient, who are punching above their weight in France. So one would have thought that he would stick it out with Lorient. There's a really good chance that they get into European competition, which would be huge for such a modest club, and then maybe make the move. But he's basically gone off the back of one half season of, you know, really excellent performances. And it's it's kind of disappointing to not see how far he could have taken it. 
Um, the Premier League is a really unforgiving environment. It's There's a lot of pressure. And like I said, this is a club that has a lot of riding on staying up in the Premier League. So straight from straight from jump, he's going to be tossed into pretty much a cauldron. Uh, I think he's already, in his first game, he showed his quality, got an assist already. So he's hit the ground running. He's a player who has a lot of desire, a lot of energy. I think he's suited to the Premier League from a play style perspective. But I just think that, and no disrespect to Bournemouth, I think he could have played at a much higher level if he had waited and continued his good form in Liga with Long Hill. Um, Nicholas Jackson is also someone who's, you know, who's on the up. Broke through at Villarreal recently this season, played a part for Senegal at the World Cup. His star is rising. Uh, it, it, these, these are, these are really big gambles in a way for Bomber, but they're gambling on quality and potential, which is really good. And it just, it says more about them in terms of Bournemouth that is it says more about them and their ambition but for the players themselves I think they could be aiming for higher I mean going from Villarreal to Bournemouth it just goes to show um, the level of financial leverage that the Premier League has over other leagues and I think that's been the determining factor here but I wish both players really really well in the Premier League I think they're going to do great um, I think they have the potential definitely to fit in the Premier League and uh, sure they might just in the process keep Bournemouth up and you know write their name um, write their names in the club's history I think Yes, it'll be exciting if Adango Watara of Burkina Faso and Senegal's Nicholas Jackson do play a big part at Bournemouth and uh, Ivory Coast international Sebastian Haller made his competitive return after testicular cancer in Borussia Dortmund's win over Augsburg last weekend. Uh, Haller had a great season with Ajax last season, but uh, was then diagnosed with cancer shortly after joining Borussia Dortmund. It is a remarkable comeback, Solace. Uh, do you see him getting back to those heights of a year or two ago? Look, when something like this happens, I think... It's it's worth it's worth it to just set football to one side. Uh, football is is you know it's the world's biggest sport. It's something that's followed passionately by a lot of people. But um, a cancer diagnosis really puts into perspective how um, minor football is really. So Sebastian Ale just coming back from this is already a triumph on a human level. I think the fact that he was diagnosed when he did at a time when, you know, he had just earned a really big move to the Bundesliga at Borussia Dortmund. I think that really had the potential to knock him down in terms of his, his psychology and everything. But we've seen him go through the entire process. It seems like his spirits, he's kept his spirits up, which is really good. Um, Borussia Dortmund have also been supportive of the guy. Um, he's gone through his chemotherapy. He's come out of it you know went back in again and now he's out fully and it's it's just on a human level it's such a big triumph um i think whatever comes next after this is really just a bonus but in his absence we saw anthony Bodest, you know sort of deputize who's a very good player has a lot of pedigree in the bundesliga but not quite on the same level as ale i mean ale was somebody who you know at the time was probably one of africa's best players really so that's that's the level he has to get back to. I think he could take some time to find that again, and I think that's perfectly fine. Uh, we saw in a friendly just the other week he scored a hat trick, so clearly that ability is still there. It's really just a function of giving him minutes. You know, they brought him in, you know, off the bench in the previous game in the Bundesliga, so they're clearly going to take their time building him up in terms of minutes, in terms of match fitness and actual you know physical fitness, just to get him up to the level that's where he can deliver.
I think this is someone who can still have a huge impact for Borussia Dortmund. And I think, um, again, like I said, on human level, this is a massive, massive win for him. And it's a great, great story for football and for the resilience of Sebastian Haller as a human being. Yes, really wishing Sebastian Haller a return to his best at Borussia Dortmund. And in Italy, Napoli are 12 points clear at the top of Serie A, with Nigeria forward Victor Osimen, one of their key players this season. Uh, Solis, what do you feel about Osimen's season and uh, where he might be heading in the future? Osimen is someone who has already always had a lot of potential. You know, he's been highly touted for a long time, highly rated. Napoli paid, you know, through the nose to get him. Um, so everyone kind of knew what Osimen could be, but he's his level this season has just been he's gone up several levels out of nowhere i mean you know he could have been down in dumps about missing out on the world cup um as nigeria did not qualify but he's just picked up where he left off he had an injury earlier in the season but he came back from that looking like a new man looking hungrier um and i think in terms of his physical level he's just he's just ragdolling every defense in syria i think he's He's bullying defenders. He's a little less footloose than he used to be. Previously, we had a situation where Osimhen would be all over the place, dropping deep, going wide, trying to link the play. But I think Napoli have built the team, and this is credit to Luciano Spalletti, has built the team in such a way where Osimhen can focus his menace um, on the last line of the defense and on the penalty area of the opponents. And that has ripped a lot of dividends. We've seen Faradskelia playing on the left, linking up with Osimhen beautifully. The rest of the team is really functioning in synergy. Andre Zambo and Gisa, um, the Cameroonian, is having a tremendous season as well as part of that midfield unit for Napoli. So everything seems to be going well. Simon is getting all kinds of goals, headers, rebounds, you know, blasted finishes. It's it's really, he, he looks so complete right now. And I think that's a credit to Napoli and also to him as a person. I think, I think this summer, especially if Napoli go ahead to win the league, I think we are going to see a long queue of clubs for Victor Simeon coming into, coming in to sign him. Um, there's, I mean, I've seen people even talking about Real Madrid. Let's not, let's not forget that Karim Benzema is getting on in years. Uh, obviously, Simeon is a completely different profile of striker, but they do need a striker and there are few on the market right now who, are better and who have more of a guarantee, I think, than Vitor Simeon. So I wouldn't scoff at that at all. Um, the Premier League, though, is probably where he's going to go because uh, there are going to be a lot of clubs queuing up for him. I, you know, there are a lot of vacancies all over the place. Chelsea need a striker. Manchester United need a striker. I mean, personally, I think a club like Manchester United is pretty much perfect. Uh, United at the moment, they signed Val Vegas on loan, but it sort of seems like he's a stopgap, really. And in the summer, I, I anticipate them going in big for Victor Simeon. He's someone who would fit Eric Ten Hag's system at Old Trafford to a T. He can play as a focal point. He can, you know, terrorize defenses in behind. He can, his link-up play has really improved. I think all of these factor into a player who really, by the end of the season, especially if Napoli hold on to their lead and win Syria, can have the pick of clubs in Europe if he wants. Yes, Victor Osimen doing really well. Asking for your thoughts on social media this week about Osimen. Which club do you think Victor Osimen should move to? Uh, so we've heard there from Solis about his amazing season so far in Italy. The main man up front with Napoli at 12 points clear at the top of Syria. A. So Manchester United, Chelsea could be looking to sign a big striker in the July-August transfer window. Even possibly Real Madrid. So who do you think Victor 
Osimen should go to. You can post a comment on our Facebook page, that's Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Which club do you think Victor Osimen, the Nigeria striker, should move to? Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And still to come, a steward on how valuable these knockout tournaments, the cup tournaments, are, are in a busy English Premier League season. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA, and you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs in our archive. To download the app, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. And our website is planetsport.tv. Well, let's go to social media now. Last week we asked, who would you give the FIFA Coach of the Year award to? Uh, so the Best FIFA Football Awards shortlist is out with more African interest than usual as Morocco finished fourth at the World Cup in Qatar. So the goalkeeper shortlist includes Morocco's Yassine Bonou and the coach shortlist has Atlas Lions coach Walid Regragui. But he's up against Argentina coach Lino Scaloni, who of course won the World Cup. So we asked, who would you give the coach? of the year award to well opinions were divided between the two but a lot of people feeling that uh, Rick Raggi deserves it including thank God Simaro Mathias in Nigeria saying Morocco were real underdogs whereas Argentina were already tipped to reach the final in DR Congo David Mbonariba says the Morocco coach deserves it for representing Africa so well. And in Ethiopia, Sabah Giradu says Regragi was the best coach at the World Cup. He deserves it. He's a special coach. It was an amazing performance from Morocco. And Blaise Lamoud Lugala in South Sudan says absolutely the Moroccan coach deserves it. On the other hand, Abulas M.J. Shaba in Nigeria says, let's not be sentimental, the Argentina coach deserves it. And Combat Emmanuel Soccer says, hey, I'd love to see the Moroccan coach taking it, but uh, fair enough, it should be Scaloni as the World Cup winner. Uh, Isaac Issa Tarawali in Sierra Leone says, I know it's going to go to Argentina in most of the categories. And finally, Belong Baji in the Gambia says, my wish is for Regragi to win it, as he set a record going further than any African team at the World Cup, but I think that Lionel Scaloni has an advantage over him. Uh, yes, uh, thanks so much for all of those uh, opinions there, and uh, always great to hear from you. Well, now let's go to our European football expert, Stuart Weir, in the UK. And Everton have fired manager Frank Lampard with the club second from bottom in the Premier League. Uh, Lampard, a Chelsea legend as a player. Um, should he be blamed for the poor results at Everton, Stuart, as there have been protests from fans against the board in recent games? You know, Steve, I think you do have to think about the club as well as just Frank Lampard and his part. If we go back, David Moyes was manager of Everton for 11 seasons, 2002 to 2013. But since then, the club has had Roberto Martinez, Ronald Koeman, Sam Allardyce, Marco Silva, Carlo Angelotti, Rafael Benitez, and now Frank Lampard. Seven managers gone in 10 years. Everton is a big club. They've won the league championship Nine times, but not for 36 years. They've been in the Premier League all the way through, never been relegated, which is why this season is so critical for them. Everton is a limited company with Farhad 
Buziri, an Iranian-born businessman who's lived most of his life in England, owning 68% of the shares. Their chairman, Bill Kenwright, a 77-year-old Liverpool man, has been a successful actor. But as you say, there have been really significant fan protests, particularly with a large banner being held up at several games. No vision, no plan, no communication. Everton is in the city of Liverpool and, to be honest, have been in the shadow of the Reds, whose Anfield Stadium is only 15 minutes' walk from Everton's Goodison Park. And while Everton have not won a trophy since 1995, their neighbours, Liverpool, of course, have won the Champions League, the Premier League, several cups. Everton are building a new 53,000-seater stadium, which will be complete for the 2024-05 season, That's replacing Goodison, where they've been for 125 years. But let's hope they're still in the Premier League for it. Lampard, as you say, a great player, one of the best of his generation, 100 caps for England, played in the great Chelsea team under Jose Mourinho and others, winning the Premier League three times, the Champions League. Then he was manager of Derby County for one season, taking them into the playoffs for promotion to the Premier League. But at the end of that season, he was offered the job as manager of Chelsea. But he only lasted 18 months there before being replaced by Thomas Tuchel. The general feeling was that Lampard had the potential to be an excellent manager, but perhaps the Chelsea job had just come too soon in his career. He was appointed manager of Everton in January 2022, with Everton towards the bottom of the table. I said at the time it seemed a strange choice as Lampard is someone used to playing with world-class players at the top of the table. His experience of battling for points to avoid relegation was non-existent and he was fired by Everton just short of one year. And during that 11-month period, his team collected 35 points and in the same period, Southampton, Leeds and Wolves are the only clubs to get less points. So it was a tough time all the way through. He signed 11 players for over $100 million. But to be honest, none of his signings could be said to have been an outstanding success. Last season, Everton finished 16th of the 20 Premier League clubs, just four points above relegation. Currently, they're second from the bottom. And as the transfer window draws to a close, they have a squad which hardly looks good enough to survive. And apparently, two or three players wanted to leave in this window. It's been reported that their first choice to replace Lampard was uh, Marcelo Bielsa, the former Leeds United manager, but that Bielsa is not interested in the job. And Steve, when the Premier League resumes in 10 days' time, Everton's first two games are against Arsenal and Liverpool. It's going to be a long, hard grind to the end of the season. Wow, tough times uh, at uh, Everton. And at the other end, uh, Arsenal top of the table, uh, five points ahead of Man City with a game in hand and a 3-2 win over Manchester United in a thriller last weekend. It was a thrilling game. Marcus Rashford giving Manchester United an early lead. Arsenal then going 2-1 ahead. And then Martinez, the Argentinian World Cup winner, equalising for Manchester United. But Arsenal scored in the last minute. I thought Arsenal were good and that they deserved to win. Partly because they tried to win. 
One got the feeling when Manchester United equalised after an hour, they would have been happy to settle for the draw, but Arsenal constantly pushed for the win. Eric Ten Hag said afterwards he felt that all three goals conceded could have been prevented and United need to defend better. I think that's a fair point. But it's such small margins in games like this. And you could actually say that Rashford had a great chance, had a great shot, and Ramsdale made an amazing save. And that was the difference in the result. And now, last week we talked about Arsenal's Bukayo Saka and Eddie Nketiah. Two English players with a strong African background. Well, did they do the business? Saka scoring a brilliant goal from outside the penalty area and Enketa being in the right place to score two. The only thing you could say about Arsenal, who really, you know, the, the league is theirs to lose, but they do have to play Manchester City home and away. Those six points could make an awful lot of difference. Yes, Arsenal playing some uh, exciting football. And uh, we have the FA Cup fourth round games this weekend, uh, starting with the pick of them on Friday. It is Man City against Arsenal. And Stuart, it's non-stop action with the Premier League, the FA Cup uh, and the EFL Cup. Uh, What's the role of these cups, would you say, in 2023? Well, I think, Steve, you could say at the moment that the League Cup and the FA Cup are a distraction from a fascinating Premier League race. And part of the problem is that we're still playing catch-up from the mid-season World Cup break. For the top clubs, there's no doubt that winning the league or finishing in the top four to secure Champions League qualification is what it's all about. The FA Cup, the oldest cup competition in the world, uh, and then you have the League Cup, which is undoubtedly the least important of the three domestic trophies. If you're looking at a team like Manchester City or Liverpool, winning a cup does not make a good season for them. But then it does depend who you ask that question. If you look at the League Cup, the four teams in the semi-finals uh, this season, Southampton, Newcastle, Nottingham Forest and Manchester United, all of them would love to win the League Cup and that would be brilliant for them. Now, we've had the first legs. It's a two-leg semi-final. Southampton, nil. Newcastle, one. Nottingham Forest, nil. Manchester United, three. Newcastle looks set for an excellent league finish, possibly top four, much better than we expected. Manchester United have been transformed by Ten Hag, and they're on course to be in the Champions League. But wouldn't a trophy, even the League Cup, be such a tangible piece of proof of their progress? Again, for teams in the last 32 of the FA Cup this weekend, a good cup run and the chance of a trophy would do them a lot of good. You know, I mentioned a week or two ago that my local team, Oxford United, lost to Arsenal, but got an excess of $100,000. Now, Arsenal also got that, which would pay perhaps one player's wage for a week, if you're lucky. But for Oxford United, it's a massive sum of money which they hadn't budgeted for. So for some of the poorer clubs, the FA Cup can be a money spinner. As you say, Friday night, Manchester City Arsenal will be intriguing. But of course, we also have the question that they may not put out their strongest team because the FA Cup is not going to be a priority. And I will guarantee you one thing, Steve. If you could wave a magic wand and say to Pep Guardiola or Mikel Arteta, lose the FA Cup tie and I guarantee you'll win the championship, they would go for that without a shot. Finally, Steve, we don't talk a lot 
about Scottish football, but let me tell you about a cup tie last weekend. Darvel is a small town of less than 4,000 people. They play in the sixth tier of Scottish football. But in the Scottish Cup last weekend, they were at home to Aberdeen, one of the top Premier League clubs. Darvel won 1-0. It was described as the greatest day, not in the club's history, but in the town's history. That is what the FA Cup and the Scottish Cup is all about for a small team in a small town. <laughs> yes, a giant killing. I uh, missed that result somehow. <laughs> and uh, what else have you got for us, Stuart? Mark Hudson has just been fired as manager of Cardiff City. Um, they're fourth from the bottom of the championship, but he's the fifth manager to leave the club in four seasons. You know, another of these clubs just going through managers. And I don't know whether you've heard... Uh, uh, Steve, that Darren Ferguson, son of Sir Alec, has been appointed manager of Peterborough. Now, if you're thinking I've heard that before, you're right. You're right. You're right. This is incredibly the fourth time Peterborough have appointed Ferguson as their manager. Don't you think they ought to make up their mind whether they want him or not? And amazingly, Steve, that is not the record. Martin Allen, the ex-West Ham player, was appointed manager of Barnet on five occasions, while Emmerich Yenny has been manager of Stoya Bucharest six times. Craig Dawson has signed for Wolves, having previously played for West Ham, Watford and West Brom. Steve, do you think he deliberately only chooses clubs that begin with a W? And finally, Steve, Nottingham Forest have signed Chris Wood, and do you know the old saying about being able to see the wood for the trees or the wood for the forest? <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, so wood goes to the forest, as in Nottingham Forest. Uh, thanks very much, Stuart. Um, that's it for the show for this week. Uh, from me, Steve Vickers, at the African Nations Championship in Algeria, from Solis Chuku in Lagos, and from Stuart Weir in the UK. Thanks so much for listening, and Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production. <laughs>